Hi, everybody. It's Bean, and welcome to an all-new episode of Great Moments in Weed History. I am incredibly excited to share this weed's high history lesson with you because we are going to get properly lit and have a seriously old-school sesh with one of the original MCs from the very, very earliest era of hip-hop music. That's right. We're going all the way back in the day to the 1970s when hip-hop was still an underground phenomenon that was popping up at parties and in parks all over New York City, specifically in the borough that became known as the Boogie Down Bronx. And that is where our guest for this episode is from. Best known by his stage name, Busy B, he is also called the Chief Rocker, and that is a moniker he earned by being the ultimate master of ceremonies, that's what MC means, at what were originally called jams. Now, those were parties where the first DJs were pioneering the art of mixing records live on stage to turntables. That is where breakdancing crews were battling for supremacy, where graffiti writers were gathering to share the secrets of their illicit art scene, and a place, of course, where weed smoke was always hanging thick in the air because this was a very, very weedy scene, as Busy B will tell us, and he is the man to know because Busy B was truly among the first ever MCs to rap original rhymes over the music spun by a DJ. He would build up this wild party vibe, get everybody in the place on the same elevated level, and that, in essence, paved the way for every rapper to follow. This is a true innovator, and his innovations were truly fueled by the creativity of cannabis, as you are about to hear. In fact, let's get a little bit of that party vibe going right now. Here is a clip from the 1983 independent film Wild Style, which is widely acknowledged as the first ever hip-hop movie, and of course, the MC at the center of it all is our man, Busy B. context, Wild Style was released a full decade before the Dr. Dre Snoop album The Chronic, and Busy Bee has been getting crowds lit up since 1977. So just know that the history of cannabis and hip-hop have been fully intertwined from the very, very beginning. In fact, As you're about to hear at those early jams, the MCs and the DJs would often draw big crowds to a completely free concert or a party in the park because they knew that they could get paid on the back end by selling some loose joints 
during the show. Now, before we dig in to this fascinating interview, which is chock full of great moments in weed history, as always, I want to stop and say a quick but very heartfelt thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon. Thank you so much for getting high on history with us and for throwing in on this shit. Whether you are putting $1 a month or you've got five on it, we could not do this show without you. And if you want to join our Great Moments in Weed History fam on Patreon, all you have to do is go to Great Moments in Weed History.com. Very long URL. Very easy to remember. Great moments in weed history.com. We are trying to get to 420 supporters on Patreon by 420. We are inching ever closer each and every weed when we post a new episode, but we really need you to join us. We need to make that goal. We need to ensure that this community and this podcast will be here long into the future to honor our cannabis heroes and tell the incredible history of this plant that we all love and revere. We are a fully independent podcast. You are the ones keeping this show going. And of course, there's a little something in it for you. First of all, every supporter on Patreon gets to see the video version of this podcast. You'll see the joint I'm holding up right now. You'll get to see our illustrious guest, Busy B, uh, rolling up a blunt at the top of our interview and puffing away the whole time. And you will also get every single episode of Great Moments in Weed History right now on the main podcast feed where you're hearing my voice at this very moment. That's only every other weed on every other weedness day. So you're going to have to wait two weeds to hear a new one unless you sign up on our Patreon because then you will get access to the secret seshes that are happening every other weed on every other weedness day and have become such a vital and fun part of this show where basically I interview the people who are part of our Patreon community about their own personal weed lives, their great moments in their own weed history. So far, we've talked to a medical doctor who teaches a class in weed. I've talked with a bud tender who is at the front lines of selling legal cannabis. And I'm going to be talking very soon to somebody still out there in the underground, in the illicit market, uh, making sure weed gets to the people and you can get access to every single show. You can hang out and get high on history every single weed on every single weedness day for just as little as a dollar a month. And of course, for just a little bit more, you can get a signed copy of my book, How to Smoke Pot Properly, mailed directly to you. And all of that is accessible at Great moments in weedhistory.com. One other thing, whether you're able to throw in or not, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. That will really help us get the word out because, 
As oft mentioned, we are shadow banned on every social media platform. We are prevented from doing any kind of advertising. We are actively blocked and throttled by the man. And we need your help to tell your friends to check out the show, to subscribe on your podcast feed, and to let everybody at the next sesh know how much fun it is to get lit and learn about weed. Okay, before we get into it, one quick listener note for this episode. When Busy B says that Fred was the first person to turn him on to high-quality cannabis, so the really, really good stuff, and this is, of course, going back to the 1970s and early 80s, he is referring to another legend of that era, the one and only Fab Five Freddy. More seasoned heads out there will recognize Fab Five Freddy as the original host of Yo! MTV Raps and as the person who really helped bridge the worlds of hip-hop and high art back in the day. He also hosted and directed the excellent 2019 cannabis culture documentary film Grass is Greener, which you can watch right now on Netflix. Also in this episode, you're going to hear Busy B and I talking about the first time that the two of us met, which was at the 2010 Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam, where he was on hand to be honored and inducted into the Counterculture Hall of Fame. Needless to say, the two of us had an incredible time in Amsterdam together, sampling and even judging the best cannabis and hashish that Amsterdam has to offer alongside our fellow weed enthusiasts from all over the world. That is a cherished memory of mine. It was really fun to recall that experience with Busy Bee. And, you know, more than a decade later, we are both still getting lit and we picked up basically right where we left off. And of course, dear listeners, you are invited to join in on this jam with us. Personally, I've got this nice little joint of Sour Diesel, another NYC weed legend, ready to burn. But uh, what if you are? Yes, you. Wait. Yes, actually, you are not ready to roll with us yet. You are not lit and you don't have anything to smoke, and you're like, whoa, Busy B, the chief rocker, is about to come out, and I am in no way, shape, or form prepared for that. I got you. As anybody who listens to this show, weed after weed, every single weedness day knows, all you have to do is hit pause and chill and use that time to roll yourself a joint, or better yet, to split yourself a blunt. Very appropriate for this episode because Busy B actually tells us about the earliest origins of blunt smoking as part of the hip-hop scene, or, you know, you can pack a bowl, or a bong, or you can endabulate a dab, you can slather topicals all over your skin, or you can eat as much edibles as you can handle and not one bite more. Whatever it takes to get you where you want to be, because I promise you one thing, when you are hide up and ready for this jam, we will be ready as well for another 
great moment in weed history. Busy B, it is an honor and a privilege to be speaking with somebody who has lived hip-hop history, who has lived weed history, combining those two wonderful things together for many of the year. Thank you so much for coming on Great Moments in Weed History. That's what's up, man. You know, I get to talk to so many other brothers, but I never get a chance to really talk to an applicant. Like in the culture, everybody just want to come to me to smoke. You know what I'm saying? They just know biz got fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have heard that. I see you're rolling one up to get ready. I got one here to smoke with you. Definitely putting one together right now. And I want to go back to the beginning. And I'm I'm wondering which came into your life first, the weed or hip hop? Uh, hip hop. But then again, too, they was like in the same time. You know, me and hip hop, since I'm like one of the founders that go way back, we was already doing loose joints. You know what I mean? In the neighborhood, we was already doing loose joints, smoking them rather, not 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 hustling. When hip hop was coming and we was in the parks with the gangs and everything, that's what we did over there in the corner while the music was playing, smoking loose joints and getting high. You know, it, it was a combination of both, but it matched it. It, it was it was it was good. It, it was a perfect match. So you're talking about the mid 1970s when you're coming up as a weed smoker, 1977 when you're starting your music right. uh, career. What was the scene like? What was the weed like? We was in the Bronx. We was in the ghetto. We in the hood with, with the Jamaicans. So we were smoking, I guess, the Alcapulco Gold, the Colombian, with the seeds. When Fred came with the weed that didn't have no seeds, first of all, I didn't ever see no shit like that. And then it smelled like some wild, different shit. But then it smoked it, it tasted, and it was the aroma was totally something I never smelled in my fucking life. And that was it for me. I was, I was sold. Now, I think a lot of people associate hip-hop and weed culture with The Chronic and think maybe that's where it starts. Nah, the chronic, the chronic came way, 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 way after we did this shit, man. I was in Cali before Snoop and Dre even knew about Chronic. You know what I mean? I was smoking back when the Onyx had hair. <laughs> How big of a part of the culture was it? Everybody was smoking weed then. Back then, marijuana was like the main was one of the main uh substance for as far as, as we built hip hop. Because the word you gotta remember, the word hip hop didn't even come out to 78. So we was already going to we would call it the jams. We going to the park jam or we going to the club, you know, to hear the to hear the music. We didn't have a word for it. After the word came about, it was more easier. For the guys, because it was a sneaking type of thing. You didn't want people to see you getting high or smoking weed. You was We was hiding it. You know what I mean? Then when the coach, as the culture developed the name, people started more break dancers and doing stuff. And people seeing the culture, it was more people seeing you start seeing more people smoking the weed freely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And how do you think that affected the music? That there was, uh, you know, that it was coming out of this part of weed culture. It, it helped increase the music. You know what I'm saying? From smoking weed and doing shows and parties, you can definitely see a change. A lot of the DJs would smoke a lot of weed for us in the hip hop culture. MCs was doing it. 
but DJs was the forefront at first. So if you around that DJ and you smoking weed, it was like, yeah, they, that crew, that crew, because we had crews. It was about the crew. That crew was over there smoking that crew over there doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. What were some of the early crews when you were coming up? And and who, you know, without talking out of school, who were some of the other people that, like you, really, you know, enjoyed and appreciated weed and looked for good weed? M- my friends, we had the ranch crew, the ranch boys, because we got the rhyme. There's a place where the ranch boys go. And we was into that, you know, because we were selling our loose joints and tray bags out there on the streets. We was into that and taking them to the parties, smoking in the corner, rolling up big spliffs. And going out loud in the middle of the crowd, smoking it, letting the people smell the aroma. Like, yo, where that shit come from? This crew over here, beers, and I'm over there smoking that shit. We get kicked out a lot of places because we had the shit. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? We weren't supposed to smoke that shit, but hey, we we started lighting up, man. It, it was like that. You were loud before loud was the word, right? And so that's another interesting part of this. You know, you're gathering a crowd with the music. It's a crowd of people who like weed, and then it sounds like you had a little uh, what they now call a side hustle in addition to the music. Right, right. Because now the, the music bring the people, the people want to smoke a joint or two to, in, to enjoy themselves, but, you know, on that high as they listening to the music. They always say the music calms the savage beast. So, you know, with all the gangs was around and all the guys, you know, they'll come by, smoke their joint, and be cool. The earliest weed you can remember selling, what did it cost? What, were you selling dime bags? Uh... Yeah, well, you know, it didn't cost me nothing really too much because I knew who would have it. And they would like me as well. And if I told them I need something, I wouldn't tell them I was selling it, but they would give me stuff and I would roll 10 to 15 joints and make 10 to $15. You know what I mean? And, and, and then I will go buy from the Jamaicans and see other people and, and, and just try to just keep making money. They didn't know what I was doing. So it wasn't like we had to go and, and actually get in the huddle to smoke to go perform. We, we came in the spot smoking. We go in the back smoking. And then it's time to go down. You got to put the smoke down and go do your shit. You know, so it was never like, yo, we needed this to have this. So, you know, and if we did, we get it way before we get to the place bringing it with us, already smoking on the way on the highway or on the train, however we was traveling, going to the spot we getting right, you know what I mean, before we get there. And so in, in jazz music, even going back to like the 20s and the 30s, there's a lot of songs about weed, there's, you know, references to it in the lyrics. Is that, do you did you have early songs about weed or were you able to sort of put slang about weed into the... Yeah, we was always putting slang, we put slang in the weed. You know, again, when you heard the weed songs, if you heard them, you didn't hear them on urban radio stations. So that never was a factor for us to hear it on the radio. It was never like today's music and and the way they're speaking on the marijuana and the weed now. We wouldn't have never thought you could say that shit back. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So that shit didn't even cross our mind. The only persons was doing it, Willie Nelson, country artists. They was already doing it and smoking it. In the dressing room, they had a pass. We have no pass. We get caught shit. We going to jail. You know what I'm saying? They had a pass for this shit. And as we found out that they had a pass, we groomed our pass. So we got a pass too. We doing the same shit he doing, smoking the same shit he's smoking. You ain't fuck with him. I wish you would come fuck with us. And that was that. That was that. If you were, went back to those days, 
and told yourself 50 years from now, weed's going to be legal. You'll be able to smoke legally right out on the street in New York City. And hip hop is going to be the defining art form of our times. Did you think that was going to happen? Or what did what did you see as the future back then? I didn't see the weed going like it was. I seen it grassroots and coming to that a conclusion. But I didn't see it in the beginning. I thought we would still have to sneak and be cautious with it the way it was. I didn't see the freeness of it the way it came about. Other question was, what was the other one again? Hip-hop becoming really the, the defining... When I seen the first Pepsi commercial with Mr. Freeze from the breakdancers from the New York City Breakers, and this probably was maybe 79, maybe 80, the movie Flashdance that came out, and they used one of the New York City Breakers to do a scene for, for the lady. But Pepsi Cola used the same scene for their commercials to sell Pepsi. And when they did that, that was it. Corporations saw the urban community had a, had a, had a gig that, that can help them sell their products. They started giving us money, I stand to not for money, to do this for them and, and, be, and still be us. But this problem was they wasn't doing, they didn't catch all the real authentic people. In the beginning, they did as they started making money and saw that it worked. They chose whoever they thought would look like one of us and portray that. And that's when the chaos was coming in because, again, I never mind it. And still today, don't mind corporations helping one of the artists or the MCs because it's all you're doing is helping them feed their families and everything. And that's awesome. But I prefer you to use original people for it. Don't put your cousin in a blue jacket that Busy B wear and put him in some dreads. And you know what I mean? I'll tell you, I know exactly what you mean, because the same thing's happening to weed. Right. And, you know, it's happening now. Corporations are coming in. You know, they want to get the licenses to grow it. They want to get the licenses to sell it. And they got no time for the people who kept this going for decades while, you know, ducking the cops. And and whether you're ducking a helicopter uh, out in the woods where you're trying to grow or out on the street where you're trying to sell some loose joints. That's the OGs of weed, and, you know. Right, and I don't blame them. Them, them growers, man, they put so much work in, and now you just want to give them peanuts for their shit? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So did you did you personally, uh, did you have any trouble with the law in terms of weed? Uh, no. Or- Thank my God I never had no problems, never got busted for the marijuana. And I was in the marijuana weed house one time and they, and I got, matter of fact, yeah, I got in trouble sitting in there. I was going to use the bathroom. They came as I was coming out of the bathroom and I got popped in there, but I was young, you know, this was like in the seventies. So it wasn't too much big. They just let us go. I never got in trouble for selling or nothing big, you know, no cartel type of shit, no pounds, none of that. And I was around it all my life, 20 pounds, 50 pounds. I had 76 pounds of fire. You know what I mean? So I had it, but I and my God was good to me for not getting in no kind of trouble. Because then again, too, it's it's about who you deal with in this in this game too. So I never dealt with the knuckleheads because the knuckleheads was always trying to do other stuff. They thought the weed back then was the slowest money, no money. It wasn't worth shit. Wasn't nothing. Now I'm like get building a fortress behind the shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's also something you believe in, right? You know, it's it's a long way from loose joints to 
80 pounds. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you get there? Well, again, saving money, uh, buying weed, getting the discount prices at certain places because I met the right people, helping me do it. Then some people give me weed. Hey, B, give me back this, take these. So I was getting pounds. You know, I saved my, buying my own weed. I did business. They, they liked it, my business. They said, you know, if I told them that if they gave me this and said, bring that back, I bought that back. If I said I need this, you know, and, and borrowed money from them, I would give it back. On the time I said I would, I did business. So I always had the weed. At one time, I had like 60 pounds. I did a big birthday bash for myself and I spent a lot of money, but I made it myself. You know what I'm saying? And I have to do nothing. I had all the weed to sell, make money to do it with. And I had a good time. But at the end of the day, you know, it was just that. I, I When I stopped doing it like that, because, you know, times go on and then people change. You get scared of certain things because you don't want to get played in a different scenario. So, you know. But it sounds like all in all, it was a good experience. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I did. You know, like, well, what's my man? And uh, uh, what's the guy from Blow? Uh, uh, Johnny Depp did the story Blow. I was like him with the weed. You know what I'm saying? I was doing that type of shit. But I just never did cocaine, you know, hard shit. I ain't never did that shit. I tried it. That wasn't for me. That was it. I never did none of that other shit. You know what I'm saying? So by me being 60 now, looking as good as I do right now, they fucked up. Like, how he do that? I ain't drink alcohol. You drinking that cheap shit. Fuck your brains up and fucking your skin up for later on down the road. I ain't do all that shit. I drunk champagne, grapes. Got me some grapes and, and smoked the finest herb. And now I'm like, I'm looking good as a motherfucker. Right on. Uh, speaking of the good herb, you know, you must have saw the evolution of weed over a long period of time. What's what stuck out for you along the way? What are some favorite smokes of yours over the years? They don't have these brands no more and all that. And I came up on that. The skunk, the Buddha, lamb's bread. You know, the uh uh what the Alcapoco goes. Um um it was another one that was real famous in New York. Um there was the haze. Well, the purple haze was good. We was getting it out of Florida. It was real big in Florida. You know what I mean? We was go down there and get that purple haze. That was real big. But the sour diesel, the New York sour diesel. We have an episode of this uh podcast that's the whole history of sour diesel. So I'll I'll send you that one. Um Send me some sour diesel. Fuck all that. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, I want to yeah, I want to talk about, you know, the weed of today, but one one thing you hear people say is, "Oh, it's so much stronger now." Uh, but I never hear that from people who were smoking in the 70s. You know, you had your what they call it, uh, your mids smoke and then you have your organic smokes. So, I always again been blessed by meeting generals to I met growers. I was so I was getting authentic stuff. I was getting the genetics from, you know, people that had the real genetics right then and there. I never got the 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 street value weed. But I used to see it, but and I used to see that weed and look at my weed and say, that ain't it. You know what I'm saying? And they have the same name as what I would have, but I say, that ain't I said, this sour diesel, that's that's Uncle Weasel. <laughs> and you got so you got to go go to some of the farms where, where oh, yeah, yeah I, I was in maine i, I seen slows in maine i was in portland oregon i saw a lot of stuff in portland see i stayed in the northern parts of california where them growers 
I'm hillbilly, real gravel up there in Hendo. So I learned how to grow this shit myself. I have my own friend. I have where we grow our own weed, man. You know what I'm saying? I try to do go around and show some of my friends, stop being a cotton picker, spend that money on yourself and grow your own shit and smoke. And then you know you got fire because you growed it. You know what you put in it. You know how it's done. And it's easy to do. Every three months, you can smoke good as a bitch. Like you hit the lottery. You know, some of my friends still come to me. Yo, be man, sell me some of that. But I'm sitting there growing my own shit. And then they see it. They, they don't have time. But you're not doing nothing over there. That same time you ain't doing it, you could be having your shit, watching your shit grow. Because it's like a and And, you know, I, I give a lot of shout outs to the ladies. Because the ladies are mostly like the best growers. If you really think about some of this, the females turned out to be some of the, because it's a patient job. So it's that same, and I had to learn. It took me 15, 20 years to learn it because I'm stubborn. They say, be, do this. I would do that, but then add shit or put my own shit to it. I think you asked for, and I didn't follow instructions. As soon as I followed the product, I said, all right, fuck it. I'm going to do what they said. And the shit was fire. So I got mad at myself because mm-hmm. I wasted three years fucking up when all I had to do is pay a fucking attention for one time. And I'd have been smoking good like a bitch for the last five years. <laughs> yeah, but those three years show show the love, you know, to keep right. at it and right, and, you know, right. That's what you know. I'm enjoying this. I I enjoyed meeting you so much that time, and I'm enjoying this conversation because I feel that love we share from the first moment we met each other. We knew we had something strong in common, and that's what was great about those cannabis cup events and something i think that hip-hop and weed share in common is that they bring people together from yeah. different places around the world different yeah. walks of life yeah and i'm wondering you know in your weed life outside of the hip-hop world uh we already know you met some some uh, uh hillbilly weed growers up in humboldt what other kinds of people did it open it up to you i met kings prime ministers I was in Japan with the prime minister. We had the diplomat immunity. You went around smoking that fire. You could get caught with a joint in Japan. You know your ass is grass. You you already know. You get caught in Japan with something and you ain't got diplomat immunity. You can, your ass goodbye. Holy shit. I tell you what, we've been, we've done about a hundred episodes of this show. That is the most surprising and uh, wonderful thing. I think anybody said live on the mic. So, uh, that's real shit. That's that's real shit, man. We, you know, so we was in Japan. We diplomat immunity. We smoking that fire. I'm sitting there like, yeah, what? I want to say a special shout out to our listeners in Japan. We did an episode about the history of cannabis in Japan, which goes back thousands of years. It was a big part of the uh, Shinto religion there. Right. I learned that too. Yep. And. Uh, ever since we did that episode, we have some listeners there, so I, I, a big shout out to them. Legalize it, Japan, and another place that I'm guessing you hit in your in your musical travels is Amsterdam. As I mentioned, oh, yeah. we met at the Cannabis Cup. But what was the first year you got there, and what was the weed scene like? It was the same as when we went. I was surprised to go to a to a country that you can actually smoke weed legal. When was the first time? You were able to have that experience in the U.S. I was doing it from the day one. You know? <laughs> no, legally, though. <laughs> yeah, it was legal for me then. Like, what the <laughs> fuck out of here. I'm lighting up. Man, I, ain't, I ain't never asked nobody, can I light up or 
get permission to or had to ask. I was doing the shit 911 before 911, all that shit. It never really dawned to me like that because, again, I, the, the people I was around, we never had no quality. They did it freely. I was a kid. I did it freely. Were people smoking blunts when you started smoking weed? No, or- no, no. It wasn't blunts. I was smoking, you know, the big bamboo, big spliffs and stuff like that. When I found out about the blunts in probably 88, around in the 80s, and late 80s, is when I, I saw a person with it. And he tried to pass it to me. And I told him, I don't smoke cigars. He said, no, it's weed. I said, weed in a cigar? He said, yes, yeah, a camouflage. So, so the police don't fuck. And that's what it hit. I was like, is that right? <laughs> so let me try that. You know what I mean? So I tried that. But but then I just had to shop for the proper role I wanted to do. Like White Owls and Phillies. They wasn't for inhaling, smoking your weed at the time. So. For me, that was a waste. I had to find a right one that I can use to wrap up if I wanted to do it, you know, to do it. Other than that, I used the big bamboo. But that's when I found out about it and saw what it was like. Ain't that a bitch? That's a mean camouflage. It definitely worked, too, because I did it when I did it. Police had no idea that they they said, yo, I smelled the weed. But nah, and and the fucking cigar burning right there in front of them. He's walking around looking for the white paper, you know, the loose joints and shit, and the cigar burning right there. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I used to laugh at that shit. That shit was funny, man, because they would think they would never see that. They didn't see that at all. We got away with that shit for maybe a, a, some year, for a while before they found out they put the weed in the cigar. And you know what I'm saying? They didn't, they didn't know, man. That was that was the, that was some fun. That was fun. We used to throw the blunts. We used to see them coming and throw the blunts right into them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and they walk right past the blunt. I smell it in there. And search everybody. Look, ain't nobody smoking, man. The guy came by walking. Get the fuck out of here. They get in their cars and gone. We go right to they get their car, pick up our blunts, and smoke like a motherfucker. <laughs> that was some funny shit, man. For real. That was some real shit. I mean, that shit was, I'd never forget that shit. We used to wait till we pull up. Smoking cigars now, huh, son? <laughs> <laughs> That's like out of a cartoon when you pick yeah. it back up. Yeah, you say. <laughs> and, and so was that? Was that? I've I've read some people say that that came out of the Jamaican community in the it Bronx. Did. It did. It did. It did. Because that's where I got it from. I from the, uh, Jamaica. I went to his house to get some and saw the shit rolled up. Like, what the fuck is that? Because there wasn't no big cigar. You know, the cigars I'm used to big and fat. It was kind of small, but it was wrapped up in the cigar shit. And I'm like, what the fuck? He said, hey, smoke that. Smoke a look up the giant out that Miz I take a hit. He said, oh, that's the weed. He said, yes. I said, roll mine in that bumba cloud. They roll mine. I go outside and smoke. I used to take my time because I wanted people to see my shit. They're like, yo, people say, smoke. <laughs> I was taking my time smoking my shit. They, you know, I, I got the new shit. I got the fly and it's rolled nice and neat. You would never think, you know what I mean? Oh, man, that, that was some fashion shit for 10 minutes. Uh, but then I guess the word got out. Was, was Bad that- word got out. We got all fucked up. Police came back. They was mad in the motherfucker. They came back and saw us and said, you love some bitches. Y'all, we saw them cigars. Yeah, we started laughing like a motherfucker. You couldn't do nothing. Too late. Was it th- Was it that Red Man song or was it? Is it no, fuck no. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> fuck no. We was all red. That shit. Red Man he wasn't even thinking about that shit. Red Man was probably a fucking kid somewhere. <laughs> The fuck out of me. 
you know, there's there's a you know been a bunch of different celebrity weed brands. Yeah, but they I, I seen that too. You know what? I just got some new shit too. Some some Quavo by Quavo. Some some they, they got tobacco leaves. They got leaves. A lot of roll up leaves and shit. I'm not the one to to hate or discriminate. I, I love it all. But again, they just meeting people at the right time. They not into that. They just making a couple of dollars. My shit is real because I'm hands on with my shit. Number one, I know what I'm doing to the people that I'm doing it to. Number two, and they 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 waiting for me to give them stuff. That's three. So these people don't know who they even did business with. They just gave them some money and they could put their name in lights. They're happy with that. And that's fine. But I'm authentic. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it's it's very parallel to what you were saying about hip hop. Me in hip hop, as I was coming up, if you could, if maybe your, your uncle or maybe your dad can tell you about the Negro League in baseball. Yeah. It had a Negro League. Then it went from the Negro League to the Major League. You, you remember these things, right? I would be the Negro League. The first generation of hip hop would be the Negro League. And then they took Run DMC from us for the major leagues because we was get we was what they wanted but to us we was too old so i would be satchel page where i was a little old but still qualified to go over there but not the main one we'll take run dmc and them beds and you come on behind them we still give you a couple of hours and you still be all right you know that would be me i would be satchel page from the negro league with the major league of our culture of hip-hop our culture of hip hop is peace, love, unity, and having fun. That's it. That's that's hip hop. Rap is something we do. Hip hop is something we live. It's a culture. People get it twisted when they hear hip hop and they hear the rap guys. That's the rapper. He's a rapper. I am an MC from the culture of hip hop. I'm not a lyricist. I'm an MC. I'm to entertain and rock with you as you rock with me. I'm not here to sing something that you might not even like and have to stand there and listen to this shit and go on about my business after I finish. I'm going to rock with you, party with you, get to know you like you're going to get to know me. When I'm finished, you're going to say, I like Busy B. That Busy B shit is all right. I'm fucking with Busy B, yo. Word up. You know what I mean? I know precisely what you mean because I'm having that experience right now. Everything you said reminds me so much of weed culture that we share in that it is about authenticity. It is about being in the moment with people. It is about sharing something, you know, whether you're passing a blunt around or just grooving on the music together. And I'm just going to say, you know, you are major, major, major leagues in weed culture. I'm not a historian of hip hop. Uh, I'm, I'm a casual fan, uh, but I'm a historian of weed. And the role that you played in weed culture in disseminating not just the plant, but the vibe, peace, love, unity, all of that is to me at the heart of what this plant is about as well. And so I hope that you feel that love. No, that is. That is. That's exactly. I've been to Rainbow Gatherings. I've been in the woods for five and seven days. I know what it is. I've done it. And see, this is what I'm saying about most of the urban people 
in our culture. I'm trying to show them the plant and what it does to you and what you can go with it and what you can do off this plant. They just go with the high. So I leave it at that and let them do that. You know, people as such as yourself and me, it's, it's 25 more others like me and you. And that's 50 right there. We got a big part. And our shit is peace, love. Everything is enjoyable. You can bring your grandmother to our fucking party. And she's going to be happy. It might dance. She might do one of those on your ass. <laughs> There's a lot of weed grannies. So, so I'm just saying, you know, you can't do that at a rap event. You can't do that in the rap culture. You can do that in the hip-hop culture. Our culture is different. Rap is something we do. But hip-hop is something we live. Well, right on. And weed is something we both live, too. And uh, I'm going to light this up with you and and just say, you know, this has been such a pleasure uh, getting to spend this time with you. It was such an honor to hang out with you uh, in Amsterdam, watch Likewise. you get inducted into the Weed Hall of Fame. As far as I'm concerned, that's what it should be called. I hope that our, our paths cross again soon. Thank you, Busy B, so much. Thank you, everyone, for sharing this great moment in weed history. Oh, let me finish with that. Do you, If you had to say, we say great moments in weed history happen to everyone in their lives, not always that are going to end up in the history books. You've lived a huge weed life. If you had to say there was one weed moment for you that hit the highest note, what what, what would that be? Uh, uh, the time that I got to smoke with Willie. I got to smoke with marijuana with a real weed connoisseur, Willie Nelson. And that was awesome. With Steve Hager, well, you know Steve Hager knew all of you know, I got to sit with Steve and Willie at nighttime, just us, like like friends, and just talk and just just vibe. Willie liked that cheese. You know that cheese strand? That cheese? He loved it, that cheese. And I used to smoke that cheese with Willie. And that was it. I, 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 I'm still in the all behind that, man. That was it. Wow. Well, you know, that's a long tradition of people uh, answering that question by saying getting to smoke with Willie Nelson. So, you know, that game Six Degrees of Separation, that is an incredible sesh to be a part of all the people who smoked with Willie Nelson and all the people who smoked with you. And uh, thank you. That's a great, great moment in weed history to leave it off on. See you next weed, everybody. Smoke on, y'all. Busy B. Peace and blessings. Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.